Welcome again to Trebuchet Talks. You're about to hear our final talk recorded on Wednesday, the 29th of November, 2017 at the Troubadour in Earl's Court. This time we're with underground comic legends David Hine and Shaky Kane. Shaky Kane emerged from the UK comic scene in the mid-80s, drawing for such publications as The Enemy, Escape, Deadline, Revolver and 2000 AD. He's one of a group of artists who've grown out of the late 20th century pop culture, influenced by punk rock, straight-to-video movies and TV. In more recent years, he has returned to comics, working with writer David Hine on the critically acclaimed Bulletproof Coffin series for Image Comics. David Hine first met Shaky in Exeter when he was at art college and published Kane's seminal Hitler on Ice in Joe Public Comics. Thirty years later, they collaborated together on the Bulletproof Coffin. In the intervening years, Hine worked on everything from 2000 AD to Care Bears, while the success of his creator-owned Strange Embrace led to his being hired to write X-Men, Spider-Man, Daredevil, The Inhumans for Marvel, and Batman, Green Lantern, and Azrael for DC Comics. He has also written runs of Spawn in the Darkness. To recap on previous episodes, footage of these events are available on trebuchet.click as well as a wealth of other material, so if you're interested in supporting us, please head there. But in the meantime, here is David Hine and Shaky Kane with weirdness and acclaim in underground comics. Steve Parsons, and I'm here with David Hine and Shaky Kane, and we're going to talk about the weird world of comic books. We're live at the Troubadour. Uh, is it November still? Just about. November the 29th. In association with? In association with 2017, which was a hell of a year. So we're going to, I want to kick off with, I know, you know, we're going to go into the nuts and bolts and, and various bits and pieces. What always interests me about crea uh, creative people and people who have picked a creative life, yeah, which I yeah. guess you do have done, what was the spark? So what was the thing that kicked you into the comic book world? I think it all started in, in the sort of um, mid-60s with... My, my, my father had like a sort of pretty un, an aspiring job, but he, he brought in from work a pile of um, American comic books. I don't know who gave them to him. They, the boy at work gave them to him. Um, he he uh, brought them home. I, I can remember being sort of fascinated by these comic books. Who, who was in the titles? Uh, Spider-Man. I remember Spider-Man was in it. And, um, you know, it's a bunch of uh, sort of early 60s or mid 60s DC Marvel comics but that, was that the 60s when you got them or were yeah, they no, no, no it, was, it was actually in the 60s yeah. off spinner wraps they would have been wouldn't they I would have seen them in spinner wrap but, but these were from the, the bakery where my dad worked I see <laughs> the, the, the side line was sort of loading so David same, same thing for you was uh, it, it was the 60s. I used to get comics from my grand. She used to bring them down every Monday. But we started off with English comics like Beano, Topper, Eagle. Um, but I, uh, I think, same as with Mike, it was um, first exposure to American comics when I was about nine or ten, seeing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Thor, all those Marvel characters, that is really uh, what stood it for me. 
I think by the time I was 12, I think I decided that was what I wanted to do, just make films. Well, that was that leads me bang on, and you might as well stay on mic because that leads me to my next question. Spark one thing, fire to actually do it. So, what was that point? Um, I think knowing that the, the things were actually made by real people. Uh, I with Marvel Comics, you actually started to see the creators. You were told their names. You knew that Jack Kirby was drawing this amazing stuff. If a human being can do it, I can do it as well. You know, whereas when you're a little kid, it's just it's printed stuff. You don't somehow realise that real people make that stuff. Um, so that's when I decided to go to art college, and you didn't, did you? No, I didn't. No, um, I, I I spent most of my childhood trying to reproduce the pictures I saw in the comic books on the back of uh, sort of store bought cupcake boxes and. Back of wallpaper, anything I get my hands on, you, you know, I actually was inspired to try to reproduce those those comics. You know, probably when I was about, um, I don't know, you know, between six, between six and eight, that sort of age. So it didn't make any damn difference to you whether they were real or not. I mean, David liked the reality of it. To you, you, you just the pictures you like. Yeah, yeah. No, no, in fact, not I, the characters. Yeah, behind yeah. I, I, I actually rarely actually read read the comic books. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> that's why he writes and you draw. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I, you know, I actually, nineteen seventy four. Yeah, I yeah. actually went to the Marvel bullpen. Oh my god! Oh yeah, I met Stan, Marie Severin, Herb Trim, yeah, yeah, Johnny yeah. Romita. Oh. When sharks were in, in New York, oh. I had a PR girl and I was having sex with her. And she said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to Marvel Comics. She fixed it up. She said, that's not what I meant. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's exactly right. She was disappointed. <laughs> I know. When I said Marvel Comics, it was a letdown. But I got 20 minutes with Stan oh, in the room, telling me how he'd invented um, oh, Marvel yeah, Comics. Yeah, and yeah. on the walls behind him is all these pictures by Jack Kirby. Oh, oh. And I'm thinking, what? Oh. <laughs> Did you say that? No, I didn't. No. I was really nice to him. Oh. Marie Severin was charming, oh. as was her too. Anyway, enough about me, but it, it is fascinating. I'm with you, David. Oh. I like that, that they were real. Oh. I like the stand soapbox, and they were kind of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, we were all a member of some strange club, oh. which yeah. we weren't really. <laughs> but, yeah, obviously, um, as, as, as I got older, to, to get interested in the whole world of Marvel Comics, but I'm, you know, I talk about when I was say eight years old, you know, I was trying to draw. But I want to pull you along in yes. a hypnotic way towards um, either, well, David again, you know, because the same again now. What's the point that you, well, you've got the point, these are people, and I can write, and I could write something as well. How do you get in? Uh, well, I think it's the same now as it was then. Um, and uh, you basically publish yourself because no one's going to publish your work until you do it. So, I mean, that's what we did. Um, these pictures show us uh, 1978 when we first met. I think we might have met in 77, but uh, in 1978, when I was at art college, I actually had access to a printing press. And that is the real magic 
not actually having to go and find someone to publish you, but to publish you yourself. And um, that was where uh, we published, this was Shaky's very first published strip, Hitler on Ice. Uh, and uh, as you can see, a lot, of the, a lot of the tropes that carried on through his work were already there. You, you can see you've got uh, giant insects, um, you know, various uh, uh, characters from real life. Um, who, who, was that, uh, who was that singer? I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think it was good somewhere, Johnny, Johnny Red. Does, does that sound familiar to you? Johnny yeah, but that's not Johnny Red. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Johnny Red was, was a crybaby. He used to cry oh, on the stage. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not quite sure. That's not him. No, that's I, somebody all, else. All the people that are taken from pictures from the manuscripts first, I think that's a um, guy from Dr. Quirkle, probably in someone warming their hands, and a harmonica. And, and the guy with the moustache is. The guy with the moustache is. I don't know if I can call that as a book. So you published this nonsense, right? I, I did, yeah. Um, and? And I think we sold something like 20 copies. Um, right. And another 100 copies went into a dumpster at some point. Yeah, yeah, I should have kept that's the fortune. Yeah, the thing was, after that, after we left, we both left Exeter, came up to London, and that's when we started trying to get actual work, you know, actually getting paid. You should explain, people in foreign countries will see this. Where the hell's Exeter? <laughs> <laughs> because they only think, no, I'm serious, they only think there's like London. Uh, you know. uh, it's in the West Country, yeah. that's where my accent comes from. You know, you've got less than that in America. I think I'd sort of try just a little bit harder. <laughs> uh, but we, we both came up to London. We, we had kind of sort of similar... What, what year was this? Uh, 1980. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we had kind of similar careers. We were both going to the same magazines and getting published. We, we didn't work together. I mean, I was an artist who worked as well at the time. And uh, one of the things we both did was New Musical Express. New Musical Express was a sort of... Uh, Gateway, gateway for artists, wasn't it? Uh, that they used to have, um, I think, Augusta. I think if you could, um, that was the letters page. If you could come up with an illustration, if you, you know, it's fairly easy to actually get it published. If, if did you do any of those? Uh, so now you, mm. you print it in the national periodical, which actually right. at that yeah, time, yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays mm. nobody really reads the Musical Express. They give you a copy. They actually give it away. Don't it's just nothing. Side. It's nothing yeah. at all. Mm. But it, hard to believe. Once upon a time. Was a very very important mm. piece of stuff, and they didn't just do music; they did film, TV. Dick Tracy used to do all that stuff. That's and right. Was, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was a it was a lively mag come mm. forum, wasn't it? No, definitely. And you were in mm. there. Yeah, we were. Yeah. What what you're actually seeing here on the on, on the left hand side that's. Um, my illustration for the uh, what they used to do every Christmas, they would do illustrated songs, and they get uh, illustrators to do these versions. Um, so that's my uh, my take on Brodsky Beat, uh, Small Town Boy, <coughs> and on the right, that was a couple of years later, but still the Christmas songbook, um, and Shaky doing Transvision Fan. Transvision Fan. But what the, the, the strange thing was, although um, I. What, what was regularly illustrating for the enemy, I wasn't particularly interested in the sort of music at the time, you know, the sort of Bronsky beat and the sort of 
promenades and things. The only bands I actually like was Sig Sig Sputnik and uh, <laughs> Zodiac Mind Warp and, and the Love Reactions. So um, it was always hard to know who to, who to draw when the um, Christmas specials turned up. Yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't let you draw Sig Sig, right? I I I I no, I like no, no, Six Six. Yeah, yeah, I that's that, 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 um, uh, and his thing was, I mean, I didn't even have a phone at the time. I was living in a squat. Yeah. And if I wanted to get in, in touch with him, I used to use the phone box at the end of the road. But he, which is not a great way to be a freelance illustrator. <laughs> Although I think many people did back then. <coughs> yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Having yeah. a phone wasn't uh, something that everybody had. But he, he literally used to say, uh, do us a drawing, bring it in, uh, and I'll stick it in the letters page. So we'd just do the most ridiculous stuff. And he would put it in because it wasn't relevant to the letters, but that didn't really matter. He was, he was, he was a brilliant guy because he was paying us decent money. Yeah. Got the art back, got our names on it. You know, it was, it was good. Okay. So now we've had the spark, we've had the fire, and you're in the door. <laughs> now you're right, you're, you're right in the door. But presumably all the time you're thinking to yourself, I'd like to get in those American comic books with the shiny covers and the bleached out interiors. I, am I right? I mean, you, uh, you both wanted to get in there. No. <laughs> where did, where yeah. did you want no. to get in there? This is the thing. By the time I got to 16, I thought superheroes were crap. Really? I had no more interest in Marvel or DC. <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing. Uh, all I want, because I'd seen like Robert Crumb in, in Underground Comics, and, and this is the kind of stuff I want to see. Uh, I, all my characters were these total losers. I mean, this this comic book was published in Knockabout, um, and it's about a guy who's squatting, and they, they, the council come and board the place up, and he's just too lazy to do anything about it, and he just sits there in this boarded up squat and starves to death. So that's like social comment, isn't it? <laughs> but all my characters like that. This is the, the next one I did was this guy who was. Um, Again, he was squatting. Uh, uh, he's a junkie, uh, makes a living as a rent boy, uh, and at the end of the story, he just disappears. I just dropped a line. Pretty much, yes. <coughs> Meanwhile, this is what Shanky was doing. He was doing uh, heroic characters. That's actually in 3D as well, which was published in Escape magazine. Um, yeah, I, I always sort of followed the dream, really. I like David, who tried to sort of subvert the dream. I, I was always very interested in this certain sort of period of American comic books, and that's all, all that I've ever been interested in, to be honest, you know. Um, you know, sort of, sort of mid-60s comics, uh, Jack Kirby and Kurt Swan are probably the template. For, for, for I'm more or less with you on this, yeah, I have to say, That's the resonant thing yeah. for me. I look at the other stuff and I still buy the odd comic book. <coughs> but that stuff, even if I just glance at something, it just gets me. No, that, that's absolutely right. You, you know, I mean, when I was younger, if I looked at a comic, if it wasn't drawn by Jack Kirby, I, I, I really didn't want to know. You, you, know, you know, any of the other artists. But, you know. but 
Fortunately, Kirby did most of the comic books. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the man yeah, just yeah, yeah, all, all all and just all, didn't all, know anything about not all. doing things and just, all. you know, he didn't sit there and worry like people do. Yeah. From what I understand about Jack Kirby, just like, it's a job and let's get as many pages done a day. And guess what? Most of them are brilliant. No, no, that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Have you ever owned any Kirby artwork? I had a print that was signed by Kirby, um, Partners in Action, it's a picture of Captain Megan Bucky, but I, I moved house so many times. One time I lived in a cottage that was completely filled with damp, and unfortunately it got damp, this print, and destroyed damp. It's the one thing, the real enemy of paper, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> have, have, have you had any, um, you know, things? Have, have you lost things over the years? She's always telling me that there are one or two too many comics. I've only got 15,000 comics. I don't think that's too many. But it is maintenance. It, it, yeah, I, I, love yeah. it. I don't anymore, but I have had a tremendous amount of comic books. And as you say, <coughs> damp, mylar. Yeah, is I, everything I, fine? <laughs> Ooh, worrying. Yeah, I've, I've thrown all my. I, I only actually like new stuff, you know, so I've thrown everything away that's old and I can't stand old stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do, I do. Like I, I'd rather buy a reprint or reproduction than, than something from the old days, you know, so because because the uh, the comic books weren't in pristine condition, when I buy them then, but maybe I didn't look after them. But no, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I read them. Yeah. I was yeah. a fool. Yeah. I actually read comic books. But, okay, so... Just in terms of a thread here, I'm trying to edge you two towards the point. You're avoiding it. You're avoiding it in an excellent and stealthy manner, which I'm appreciating. But where is that point that you get to the American comic book? Oh, you want to know where that are? Well, that stage. What are the Brit scene? There's. It was. I think everyone who who worked for the American comic books went through a very similar process, which was uh, essentially working for 2000 AD. Yes. Uh, th this was a character that I created for 2000 AD called Mambo. Uh, she was kind of future cop who, who had, uh, her father for some reason placed an alien egg in her brain, which gave her uh, strange powers that she didn't entirely control. And that's an example of her losing control. Um, we both worked on Judge Dredd, that's mine on the left, and uh, on the right, that's Shakey's uh, Judge Dredd in Love, which is not something you see a lot of. No, I don't think I've ever seen that. It's rather wonderful, though. It's, it's great, isn't it? Um, and, yeah, Shakey, you were doing quite a bit of stuff, actually, for... Uh, at, at one stage, yeah, 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 I, I was, I was sort of, um, you know, constantly employed by... 2018 Fleet Knife, you know, Judge Shepard. They, they always seem to give me these strange sort of scripts, though, the sort of, um, the, because of the style that I draw, and I always seem to get this sort of um, funny script. If you, do you know what I mean? What I liked about Judge Dredd, it wasn't... It was a funny peculiar. <laughs> no, it wasn't pictures of comedy script, but there was sort of humour in there that came through. But um, when it was my turn, they, they always sort of gave me these sort of strange scripts, you know, things like the Snow Sisters that were really unpopular with the um with, with the readers you know they really didn't do me a lot of favors so 
You were getting the garbage bin stuff, basically. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, yeah, that, anything was sold in the, in the charts. Yeah. So now, what year is this? Eighty-four. We're talking mid-eighties, um, when, when the comic scene was really exploding in this country. Because you have this this, this uh, image here is from uh, Crisis, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that revolver Halloween special. Revolver Halloween special. And am I right again to point it out to people who don't know? Crisis and Revolver were a little bit larger in format. They were they were European style, yeah, yeah, which exactly. is where I first saw your work in there. And, and I must say, I like the bigger your work is, the more I like it. That's right, yeah, because it, it, it's, it's the size of you. Yeah, you know, I, I does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I always draw really big, and I either like it really big or really small. I think when it's reduced down the other way, it looks nice as well. You know, like so size of bum. It's sort of size of cowboys and insects. I was going to say you were looking at cowboys and insects. I mean, a shot down and blow up to be, you know, the way to go with this. Mm -hmm. So it's, for you, it's either big or it's small. Big or small, yeah. So, so he draws the small big. <laughs> like uh, if it's man, it's going to be the size of a skyscraper, right? And uh, um, it, after, I, I think Mike's stuff really hit its peak. After, I mean, 2008, Judge Dredd, okay, that, that was great stuff, but it was still working to someone else's template. It was like, shaky, we want you to do this. And then um, Deadline came along, which is famous for being the birthplace of Tank Girl. But it was also where shaky finally got to do what he wanted to do because of Brett Ewan's, basically, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was definitely just giving my free reign whatever I wanted. You know, I did that drawing the Amen, which is like a sort of um, take too long really to go into all this, but it was sort of a, at a time that there was um, Manchester police chief called um, James Anderson. That's right, he's the guy that thought that. So um, yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So, so the, the actual story, the Amen, were the, the Anderton men that they actually took the word for Bible as the, the, the you know, the actual thing, you know, the actual word of the law. And am I right on that? Previous image is that yeah. the cover of the, of the reprints? Is that yeah, 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 it is. You, yeah, that yeah. Very recently, mm. is that all the strips that you did for them? Yeah, it is. Yeah, all yeah, in one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all handsome collected. volume. And, and how much is one paper? This handsome uh, I think it's. Uh, God, I don't know. Um, Guy Hedges' water. Yeah, yeah. How much did you pay for it? Uh, Twenty-four. Is it twenty-four pounds? Twenty-four pounds. Yeah. It is good though. I mean, that's and. Well, not, again, it's that size issue for me. I mean, did you ask for it this way because of the Kirby reprint books? You know, those massive. Uh, no, no. You know those this massive is stones. actually the size of it, the, that's, the maximum that's the original size. size. Yeah, because at one stage, um, look at that. Um, at, at one stage, Deadline became more of a magazine size. You know, so this is twenty-four you know, pounds. Yeah. No, I might get one. Mm. Serious. Serious. Mm. Okay, so. Uh, th this thing, Crisis, and Brett Ewins. Do you want to just tell people a little bit more about Brett and Brett who he was? Uh, Brett, Brett Ewins was, it sort of came from... Um, well, I actually knew about Brett, Brett Ewins before 2018. He did a thing called um, Sometimes Stories. It was Brett and uh, Brendan McCarthy both worked together. And uh, it was the first time I saw 
comic books have seemed to um, speak to me in, in, in the way that they had a sort of, uh, it, it, something about 2018, when it first started, it seemed to be based on um, whatever the trend in TV and movies, like uh, Six Million Dollar Man and Jaws and things, but Brett and uh, Brandon actually came from somewhere else, and again, they had a sort of, um, yeah. they sort of very in tune with the sort of pop sensibility. You know, I've got to tell you a story. I, I, well, th there's a guy at Leeds called Dale Jackson. Right. He's a big yeah. art guy, big deal of art. And he called me up about two weeks ago and he said, um, you never believe this. I just bought a copy of Sometime Stories. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it's signed inside. I just snipped. Isn't that strange? That's so strange. Because I remember meeting them at, at one of those old-time comic yeah. conventions yeah. Yeah. in Westminster. Yeah. Really weird. Remember those things that were? Yeah, I yeah, mean that's yeah. maybe even. Yeah, so this this would be mid eighties, yeah, when comics were not trendy or anything. No. And yeah. I remember meeting those guys, and honestly, I mean I was making money at the time. I just felt sorry for them. You know, it's like, well, these two guys are trying. I'll buy their comic book. Well, you know what? Actually, when I got it home, it was fantastic, it was wasn't it? Uh, stuff, yeah. You know, the uh, reason for right. man's, man's existence, Pink and Crankin, I think it was called. And, and Felix Sadley and Finn McGraw. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the mid-80s is rolling. Mid-80s. And now you two, both of you really, are having careers. Um, yeah, I think uh, we had, our, our careers diverged. Basically, Shaky wanted to work for Marvel Comics and, and, and never did. I had no intention of ever working for Marvel Comics. It's 10 years too late. Yeah, 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 yeah. What Marvel Comics have you um, done? Mm. And, and I had Marvel Comics thrust upon me. Mm. But um, in, in the meantime, at this point, I think uh, Shaky had a pretty damn good career going on, with uh, particularly with with Deadline. Um, I was going to just, I, I wanted Mike to talk a little bit about these, um, the, the later stuff you were doing for <coughs> Deadline. It was, it was, it wasn't even comics anymore, really. It was, mm. it was kind of like this punk fine art. Um, you were kind of using collage and all kinds of. I, I was actually, uh, I'd actually photographing people and see could see what clothes they're wearing, similar to sort of stand ups in ID magazine. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd put those into the um, into the panels, so it's like a stream of sort of consciousness, so like a sort of you know like a theme running running through it rather than a, a comic strip as such. Mm. I get people around my house and uh, spend all afternoon trying to make a uh, crucifix. Wounds in the hands with latex. And, you know. So it was a social <laughs> thing as well. It, it, it was, you know, it was a social thing. Mm. Mm. And you appeared. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'd appear, I'd get made up and um, you know, I had a focus. And, uh, space uh, is that you? Yeah, yeah. This is looking good. Space bus. <laughs> yeah, if I'd known you then, you can probably see the crucifix. Hose in the hands. That's, um, that's a, this or nothing, a bullet, bullet train to hack, right? So you take this disjointed sort of, um, I, I don't know how you'd explain it really, but it sort of makes sense in a sort of way, you know, sort of loosening, sort of tying. You know. Yeah, of course. As I say, for me, the, the, um, where it was getting darker and darker, um, uh, it got to the point where it was all basically serial killers and stuff like this. Um, and this one, 
also, I don't know, do people know about Valerie Solanas uh, and the Society for Cutting Up Men? Um, the, the, this image on the bottom right, she, um, Valerie Solanas was quite an extreme feminist. She believed in uh, overthrowing government, eliminating money, instituting complete automation. This is quite a long time ago, so she was well ahead. And then eliminating the male sex <coughs> completely. And she decided that Andy Warhol actually represented like the epitome of the patriarchy for some reason. I, I, so poor Andy was the first victim and uh, uh, she actually went to the factory and uh, shot him in the stomach. And that's Andy showing off his, uh, his wounds. Um, she served three years. Did she? Seems uh, not much to me. Much. Actually, uh, attempting to kill somebody. I, I, I might be wrong here. This probably inspired the Lou Reed song, Andy's Chest, I, I should mm -hmm. imagine. I would have thought so, yeah. Yes, <laughs> Andy's, Andy's, Andy's stomach. When you look at it, it's not very sharp. But Andy's another recurring character in your uh, work. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've seen yeah. Andy well, kind well, of pop up here well, and there. Pop up? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly it's a kind of fascination. Uh, people always get fascinated with it. Mm -hmm try to um, put some of that into what I do, you know, like the, particularly the, the next pictures, kind of like, hello, you know, I've got sort of vibe to them, haven't I, to yes. some extent, uh, yeah, I did sort of feel sort of um, punk feel to it. It's more than punk, probably. <laughs> it's just fantastic, I think. Well, I um, what you say. But I'm not going to say, it's sort of found images that go again, I used to photograph, you know, in the back It's wonderful stuff. Album. And if I might say so, actually more art gallery than comic book. You may have gone wrong. You know, you maybe should have hired one of those slick, you know, Kensington hustlers and got yourself in the art market. You, you could have been shifting that stuff at like, you know, yeah, 250 yeah, grand yeah, a pop. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to look back and imagine what you could have done. What did you do instead, Mike? <coughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, also David here. I mean, you know. I want to keep the thread going. Yeah, At this yeah. point, when Shaky is now moving into territory that we consider somewhere between comic books and <coughs> pop art, where are you? Um, I'm, I, I, I'm completely selling out, inking Care Bears for Marvel UK. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, that's actually true. I, I would basically, the thing is, Shaky always f followed his particular style. I would do anything. You know, I, 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 could, I could kind of do, oh, can you ink this? Can you draw that? And, and I was doing so much stuff for uh, Oxford University Press, for instance, educational comics. If I, was, if I was getting paid for it, I'd do it. I had it in my mind that that was my day job, and in the evenings I'd be working on the stuff I really wanted to do. Yes. Because the truth is that in the evening you're too knackered to play yeah. telly. Um, so I, I kept working, um, but when Deadline finished, that was when Shaky sort of retreated back to Exeter. Um, I kept going for a little bit longer, but we, we, we both hit a point where we just stopped. Um, uh, I, I think uh, we need to we need to, we do need to discuss that. I'm uh, afraid. All, yeah. all, all the magazines went out of business overnight. It seemed to me. Um, the, the, yeah. the, the, and what year would this be? Sort of '88, something like that. No, late '90s. Yeah, early '93, early '90s. Apart, of course, from uh, 2018, there was a change of editor at 2018. David Bishop became the editor, and David Bishop had um, 
a sort of a, an idea of how he wanted the magazine to be, whether, you know, for better or worse, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's a time of sort of yeah. dark fantasy art. Your and face didn't fit. It didn't fit, and I remember phoning him up from Exeter, <laughs> saying, you know, what's, what's next? And he said nothing. Uh, pretty much nothing. He said no, <laughs> which I think is, uh, you know, Yeah, I, I, I think that's New Zealand for May. Yeah. Yeah, he was from New Zealand. Yeah. What was that thing? He used to have a piece of your artwork. He did. Th this is a really funny story. This is the sort of guy, you know, that you're dealing with. But I, 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 I went around to the office, you know, I was drawing regularly for him. And he said to me that on his wall in, us, in New Zealand, there was a picture of a cartoon strip I did for the enemy. It was a take on Batman, and he was sort of, um, you know, an acid joke where the. The, the, the open window was flying through the bat, and, uh, and um, uh, Bruce Wayne was sat there. He's wondering if it was the acid in his cocoa or something like that. Anyway, he, he said that he, he actually had that on his wall. So I went home and I found the actual artwork. So I brought it into the office. I said, Dave, in that picture, I found it, you can have it. And then he said, it was on my wall. I didn't actually say that I liked it. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's the sort of character you're dealing with, yeah. you know. I don't know what he's doing now. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's your pit rejection. It, it, it wasn't a lot of fun, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> no, I know. It never is. But I've, I've got a new attitude towards rejection. What's that? Well, as soon as anybody rejects me for anything, artistically or anything in the slightest way, I just, they're dead for me. I see. I yeah, will never yeah, yeah, speak yeah, to them, yeah. look in their direction, or any of their friends, or relatives, or anything. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah. it's like, just, I, I think when I was younger, I would go, well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And now I just go, no, yeah. you're dead. You exist yeah. back. The only problem with that, he was the only guy who could possibly give you paid work in England. <laughs> yes, but that, that's where it gets difficult, if there's no alternative. But um, I, I see, you know, I was back in Exeter then. So th is this what we consider the dark period? Is this when you? It, it wasn't a dark period. Well, it was really. dark for us because you were working. Yeah, yeah, I just you didn't. Do, I still did drawing at home, you know. Um, I just didn't get paid for it. You know, it was any difference. Did do the uh, hateful dead and stuff like that, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. What are you? What are you doing at this time, David? Um, still the Care Bears? Well, I. Th th this was the last thing I did. Um, no, I, this was. You know, I was saying I had this idea of what I really wanted to do, and I actually did it in the end. I tried to sell this originally to, um, I think it was to Crisis, and I went in and showed the editor, and it was like, you know, I was saying all of my characters are always these total losers, unappealing, ugly loser types that no one could possibly want to identify with. Uh, and I, I brought in this thing called Strange Embrace, and the editor just kind of said, there isn't a single sympathetic character in this. I said, well... That's what I do. <laughs> um, uh, and it was a no. And I, and I figured I thought I'd never be able to get this thing published. So I thought, well, I'll just draw it anyway. Uh, and I literally took a year off uh, and drew it. And I was very lucky because a guy called Dave Elliott, who uh, was running a company called Tundra Comics, which was financed by Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Money. These guys had made uh, literally hundreds of millions were spending it on publishing comics and Dave Elliott saw Strange Embrace and published it. But that's it, I finally made it. Unfortunately, this was a period, early 90s, when all the independent publishers went broke. 
So I think this was actually the very last, the, the fourth issue of this book was the very last thing that Tunga Unit actually published before they went broke. So it be, this You were thrown out, in other words, you were just like, it was yeah, gone. here's one. I didn't even know if anyone read it. This is before Daisy. I bought it. So, oh, great. I don't know if I You're the it. one. I, but I did, no, I did actually buy it. I did actually buy it. I remember having it. But that's not an insult because I bought lots and lots of comic books and didn't read them. I just bought lots and lots of comic books. <laughs> I, uh, but you looked at the pictures. Not even. Sometimes <laughs> not. They just went into a box. I just thought, you know. I had it on, on, on the wall in my office. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it? So, anyway, this is good for me because, like, we've hit rock bottom, and that's like dramatic. Which Absolutely. You, David Hine, patron saint of losers, yeah, you know, come up with. Which, by the way, I mean, when people say that unsympathetic stuff, I'm like, what about all those old movies? That are fantastic. That are filled with totally unsympathetic characters. Yeah, they're not yeah. likable or anything. Yeah. But boy, they're riveting. A, a character. It's. We live in an age when people have to be empathic and sympathetic to make it big. Um, I think it's just rock. You know, I'm much more interested in people who are edgy and off the wall. And I mean, I, you know, back then, people. Other people were interested in it, wasn't you know? I mean, you could make films about losers. Um, you couldn't, you know. Actually, that's not quite true. There's a recent film with Jake Gyllenhaal, which is made about a loser, but even then, he succeeds. Um, yeah, I know. Night, night film, yeah, there's, cer there's certainly an idea that if you're going to be commercial, you have to have that at least an uplifting ending, which I've never had to end with my hero. <laughs> Every single character I've ever had. In a book, it ends up horribly. Okay, so so the, the, the weird thing is, um, uh, so I'll say that the, the comic failed commercially, and I thought that's it. I've done what I really want to do, and it failed. I'm out of here, and I decided no more comics, uh, and I spent the next ten years doing freelance illustration, um, which was kind of soul destroying, but it paid the rent. Um, but the weird, the really weird thing is that ten years later. Uh, a guy called Richard Starkings in America, who used to be an editor back at Marvel UK, asked if he could republish Strange Embrace in America, which he did. And that, um, I, I was actually invited out to San Diego by Richard Starkings, and he was giving away boxes. I said, Christ's sake, sell them, you know, we need the money. But he's going, no, 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 give them away. As long as you give them away to the right people, and he, he gave a copy to a guy called Joe Quesada, who anyone who's really into comics knows was editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. Yep. Um, and uh, he, he finally got to read this comic. Uh, I guess he went home from San Diego with a big stack of yep. stuff that people had given him. Uh, went back home, and there was, um, there was a power cut in New York, quite famously, this is 2003. And uh, the lights went out for an entire weekend in New York. I don't know if you remember this. I saw a documentary about it, yeah. yeah. Um, so Joe Sutter was in his apartment, no electricity, candlelight, and he decided to read Stranger Grace. The lights finally went back on, and he immediately emailed me and said, do you want to work with Marvel Comics? 
That's a lucky break. That's a proper lucky, lucky break. break. Yeah, yeah, Insanely yeah, lucky. Yeah, yeah. Particularly, as, as I told you, I know interesting women. So I emailed him back and said, uh, I, I'm not really interested in superheroes. Um, and he goes, Quentin says, no, 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 we really, really want to use you, which I think is great, actually. I, I think it's great that he was doing that. Um, and he, he offered me uh, a thing called, well, it, it wasn't called this until I told him, but I, I said, can I do something that's not superhero? And uh, he said, well, got any ideas? So uh, if you know Daredevil, by day is a lawyer called Matt Murdock. He said, well, can I just write a Matt Murdock story? Just Matt Murdock in a courtroom, uh, and they like a courtroom much, drama. Yeah, a courtroom drama, and they Old pretty school. much let me do it. Um, Daredevil appears in it very, very briefly. He said, um, "Can we just have uh, a couple of shots where you costume every issue?" Which, well, but that <laughs> is actually traditionally very decent. Um, and, and the story that I chose to do was actually based on something uh, a real life case in there called West Memphis Three, which you may know about. It was something which was picked up um, by uh, a lot of documentary makers later. Basically, three guys were accused of a murder they clearly hadn't done. They were stitched up for it simply because they were into heavy metal and Satanism and some other stuff. Uh, and um, I basically did an adaptation of the story. Did Matt get him off? Did Matt get him off? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> at the time when I was doing the story, uh, the, the, the the guys had been in prison, uh, I think, for 12 years already. That's the West Memphis Three. The West Memphis Three. Damien Eccles had been on death row for 12 years. And uh, he was reading the comic as it was coming out. Uh, I, I was in touch with uh, his wife, uh, who married him while he was in prison. And she said, yeah, well, I, I take it in from the time it comes out. And I knew that in the last issue, which is what you're seeing here, uh, this is the execution and the point was Matt Murdock is there he's invited along to watch the execution because they do that it's a yeah. uh, so he's strapped down he's getting the lethal injection and, then, and those yellow panels that you see on the middle of these pages are a fantasy of Daredevil in costume breaking through the window rescuing him breaking him out and uh, it, it, it's not clear whether that's dying man's fantasy or whether it's Matt Murdock's fantasy but the reality is he dies he is yeah. executed because yeah. for me that, that was the thing people innocent people are executed <coughs> and it's very important to get that across uh, I heard later that uh, Damien Eccles was pretty upset when he when he read that issue thankfully another six years <coughs> went by he finally did get released the three of them were found kind of innocent they were certainly released after 18 years in prison wow. so um I, I was pretty pleased that i was able to actually go and work at marvel and do something like that that wasn't your typical superhero book so um, and, and from there you continued on to work at marvel now yeah. but just to get keep the chronology shaky you're just <laughs> just drawing stuff right at this um, point or have you I'd moved back to um, to Devon to Exeter by then, and I, I was just um, you know drawing stuff you know at home. Um, I did that for a number of years. I know. I'd, when, when sometimes an opportunity would come 
uh, to local publisher or to uh, the magazine, you know, I do something funny. There was a, a weird sort of um, serial killer comic book called uh, Black Star Fiction, which, which I drew a bit. Occasional things would come up. I drew Monster Truck by yourself, which was published through Flying Post, which was a community newspaper. Yeah. But, but um, this was before the internet, so there's, there's no way of knowing if anyone had any interest in what you were doing. You know, I couldn't get the train and sort of walk around the streets yep. of London. No, so you had it. But the internet changed everything, didn't it? Really? So before, so in other words, before now, he'd been getting plenty of work. You haven't. Now you're getting work. Nobody's calling you, I presume. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, it's like I say, it's all very ironic. Shaky desperately wanted to work for Marvel, and I did. And you are working for Marvel. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, what really took off for us, because although we kind of, we'd lost touch, we, we used to know each other fairly well, yeah. and we'd see each other quite a lot, yeah. but then for about eight years, we was didn't see each other friends. We were actually at, point, we, at one point we did actually live in the same house. Um, Shaky was telling me earlier it's the, it, that was actually the first time he left home as well. We moved in. Yeah. So now I've broken the whole train of thought now. All right, you, you're, into <coughs> you're into Marvel. Yeah, I, I, Shaky's coming to the end of this eight years. By then, I, what, I, I, where I'm are sorry. we now, time wise? Just, just so uh, we can. I like the knowledge of. and. 90. We're right up to 2008. Yeah, yeah. When, when we when we met each other yeah. again, maybe a couple of years before Bristol, that. Bristol Comic Con. Comic Con. Uh, but by, by that stage, it all sounds a bit different from how I remember it, really. I, I, I you know, realised I was never actually going to draw for Marvel. I, I, I'd never imagined it was possible that I would draw for Marvel, and I never have. <laughs> it's still could, it's still could be possible. I, I can imagine. It could be some weird project. Show Captain America thing or something. Uh, maybe, maybe. I, I I did only draw for DC comics, but when they sent me the script, it was too hard to draw. I couldn't draw. <laughs> it was written by uh, Grant Morrison, who arrived. You know, I, I didn't know who Grant Morrison was, but but when I read it. So I told you. Had, had Grant Morrison requested you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I had no idea. But <laughs> well, you did do a bit with Grant. Uh, I did, I did the cover, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I couldn't draw. Which, which cover was that? Uh, I don't know, like sort of Kirby-esque sort of thing. Was it Doom Patrol? Doom Patrol, yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any jobs that are just too hard to do? So, so <laughs> I've had two jobs that I've fucked up totally, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so what, what brings you back together again? Um, okay, I'm at Bristol. I remember I, I was up in the hotel room and uh, I was thinking, all right, all six o'clock. You were living in a hotel? No, it's just proper sort of convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which actually takes place in a hotel. You have, you've never been I, no, I have been. I have been to one of those. Um, six o'clock came, so I thought, time to hit the bar. Mm. Got into the lift, went down. The doors opened, and there was Shaky. Stood there. Stood there with uh, your with your wife and son. My wife with and Jane, son. Jane and Laurie. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, fuck. It, 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 
was this moment with this, this pipe. So we, we went to the we went to the bar, I think, um, and we I just started so. talking about yeah. comics and how crap they all were and how we could do the ultimate comic, the, the greatest comic ever. Yeah. Although the plan wasn't that, you know, that's a, that sounds too linear. You, you know, obviously the comic books have become something far removed from what I was initially attracted to in comic books. That was more the thing, wasn't it, you know? Well, for, for young people, um, you know, who might be watching this on, on YouTube or anything, um, comic books were what these films were based on. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, the films yeah. and the TV series you see now were more or less intact, actually, as far as I can see, in comic books fifty years ago. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. Now they finally got around to and the technology and the ability yeah. to do them. Actually, I want to just move sideways here because. Chance of getting a movie out of your stuff, mm. I know things can happen. Mm. But I was thinking the one movie that I really liked out of comic book movies is The Mystery Man. The Mystery did Man, you see yeah, that? yeah, I Bob did. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really kind of sidekick, yeah, flaming yeah. character characters, really yeah, and it was this it. low rent, mm. and that you know it has something I think is akin to your work about it. Has, it. Hasn't it? Yeah, when you think of it. Yeah. Low-rent, sleazy mm. people with powers they don't mm. really care about. That's right. Is it, yeah. is it the Blue Raja? And doesn't he make knives and forks fly about? That's right. Not that guy who, uh, who gets angry, and that's a really big part of the old. That's right, Mister Angry. The shoveler. The, the shoveler. The shoveler. That's right. Mm. Cool. I that very well. But we, we we'll come to you know. I just wanted to throw that one in now, mm. and we we'll, we'll come towards movies, but. That, that, that was the, yeah. uh, the, the flaming carrot guy, isn't it, you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, Bob Burton. I remember that. Funny dude. Yeah. yeah, the mystery man. Mystery man. Kind of stupid. Uh, I, don't, I don't know his real name. Yeah, Pee Wee Herman's guy was in it, wasn't he? Uh, Paul Robert Rubens. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah so. he was in it. Yeah. Well, Paul Rubens is a walking comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're, we're digressing. <laughs> so, comics are crap. It's 2008. <laughs> you two meet this weird romantic <coughs> situation except for family meeting. members chance random thing it must be around that time i met you actually no no i met you 2001. yeah 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 anyway oh that's right yeah isn't it? Mm. so and you in a non-linear typically high pain thing yeah decide to create the comic book that will be mother of all comic books and is this what we're looking at now uh, <laughs> what, what was it's the bulletproof what, what, coffee how did it come about as sergeant Rainey, isn't it you know um very kind to me said um if you say i come here looking for one thing tonight buddy i'm looking for <laughs> so i'm looking for a comic book right <laughs> now what was the setup um you had a lot the, of ideas. You were throwing. Yeah. Not to me. Um, okay. Well, what, what happened was Shaky had a lot of ideas. He was throwing. He was throwing all these ideas at me, like uh, Shield of Justice and uh, 
Red Wraith, Coffin Fly, and, it, and he'd already sketched these characters. Yeah. And uh, the, the, there was that key image. I didn't have the visuals, so it was obviously didn't go with it. Mm. He was just talking about all this. Um, and uh, he mentioned this thing called the Bulletproof Coffin, which is just this giant metal coffin that kind of travels around in this. Um, uh, and I don't know if we actually, I'm sure we did say we've got to do something together because, you know, I'd stop, I'd stop yeah, drawing. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. wrote and I wanted to work with, you know, people who are on the same kind of wavelength. Excuse me. Now, at that time, is that after you've been writing uh, a fairly long run on Spawn? Spawn would have been about the same time. Yeah, yeah. I was already on Spawn which, by then, so I think. Is that the tie to image and not that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this, this because this, this I just want to make, make a point here. I mean, you actually did a, how many issues of Spawn? Uh, did you do? Thirty-five issues of which Spawn. Which, by modern years. standards, is that's a long run. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. You know, it, it, it went on till um, I, I was fine there. I got on really well with the editor. Uh, I would have been on there indefinitely, but Tom McFarlane finally got around to reading it. <laughs> and he, three you can laugh. <laughs> Two and a half years in, he, he read it, and um, the editor came out and said, "Tom wants to have a word." And we, <laughs> uh, the, the word actually lasted, but it was like an hour. Of Tom's great. I, love I, Tom, I hear but this. He, yeah, he no, is, he's, he's famous for going off, and but he's he's mad. Yeah. So he's like, he's shouting me. Yeah. On the phone for an hour. At the end of the hour, I said, I said, so uh, uh, am I off the book then? And he was great. He said you can have six months to wind it up. So that was at two and a half years in. He gave me another six months. So I've, I, I won't hear a word against Todd. He's, he's a great guy. But um, yeah, so I'd, I'd pretty much, and, and Spawn was being published through Image. And Spawn, I must say, is not an interesting character. I actually rather like Spawn. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fantastic. I, I have a model. I don't have any other. Models of characters, you know, the yeah, I, 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 I got the vinyl toy of Spawn when it yeah, came out. Right, yeah. It's and got some chains on it. That one. Yeah, that's the Is one. it the um, medieval Spawn? Oh, medieval Spawn. Medieval Spawn. I love medieval Spawn. Yeah, anyway, so you've been, you've been an image. So is it in the back of your mind when you're talking this craziness that maybe image will publish it? And is that exactly what happened? You 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 went in, you got in touch with me and said I've got a Nazi comic book. Yeah. Um, I'd done a couple of things um, for Image. I think I was it was probably about this time that I was starting on the Darkness as well. But those were books that even though they were published through Image, were you know I obviously didn't own them. They were still other people's properties. Um, so when we finally came up with um, Bulletproof Coffin. Shaky basically sent me all the drawings, the character descriptions, I came up with a story, and we drew, or you drew, I wrote, the entire first issue. Because we we've got to sell this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. we have to hold in the whole first issue done. And um, there's a guy called Eric Stevenson who's a publisher of Image Comics now. And uh, essentially, he is the guy who decides what Image publish. He looks at stuff and he makes a decision. So uh, I, I got a meeting with him. I was at a San Diego Comic Con uh, and had a breakfast meeting with him. Uh, nearly screwed up because uh, I was waiting in one hotel and he was waiting in another hotel. 
one of us quite the wrong one. We finally, finally uh, bumped into each other, and I said to him, I, I've got this idea for a, a comic book, it's called Book with Coffin, um, and it's drawn by this English artist called Shaky Pain. And he just looked at me and went, yeah, you got it. <laughs> what? You got the series? Yeah, we'll publish it. I said, do you want to look at it? I said, yeah, sure, but you've got it. <laughs> and it was essential. I thought, wow, my, ma my name has been bigger than I thought. But no, it was shaky. Uh, Eric it turned out he was a fan. A huge fan of shaky stuff from the deadline days. And, so, and uh, from yeah. the enemy as well, like going right back to the Municipal Express. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, t I tell kids this, because like kids, a lot nowadays, they're like, why should I bother? I hear this a lot with yeah, what? Yeah. And I'm like, you never know. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. And, 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 and somebody that you completely out of your yeah. consciousness yeah. might say, hey, that's fantastic. But that's why you should do something. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. in other words, that pays off for you. That work you did years ago to have a minimal audience. Yeah, and the course, guy looks at it and goes, yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be the thing that you, so know, kids, that you do, hasn't it? Just yeah, keep doing right. it. Don't, don't do that. Why should I? Because you really don't know why you should. I mean, people told me to stop singing. If only. If <laughs> only. Anyway, listen, Bulletproof yeah. comes out, yeah. and I'm all over it. I'm all over it. I mean, at that point, I'm from buying maybe like, I mean, I didn't have that much money then. Before that, when I was loads of money, I used to buy like, I don't know, nearly all the comic books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And by that point, by 2008, I'm not buying many. I bought that, and I loved it. Absolutely crazy about it. On, for, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, it does display your fetish, if you like, in a, in a, in a, in a full, fully realized way. But David adds, just, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sly sideways quality about the narrative. Yeah. It yeah. seems to slightly <laughs> leak off the page into the gutters, in my opinion. Um, I'm not sure if you actually drew stuff in the gutters, but it always felt to me in that comic book like something was going on just off panel. Does that make sense? Is that uh, I suppose we ought to talk about how, what, what Bulletproof Coffee is actually about. Shall I give a... Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'd like Coffin. to know was essentially a, a story, um, it, it was our fantasy. It's a story about this guy who discovers a bunch of comic books which shouldn't exist because the creators were the biggest thing in comics. They were the Stanley and Jack Kirby of this alternative universe. And in this alternative universe, me and Shaggy are the Stanley and Jack Kirby of comics. I understand that. Um, it, was, it was just our, our, our dream. But in this world, they get ripped off by big two publishing. Uh, their, their characters are stolen from them and they're, they're basically thrown out. But they carry on making their comics secretly. Uh, so what we actually have in the, um, in the comic is we are seeing these kind of underground comics that these guys are producing. Um, and they were just like the crazy comics that we always wanted to do, really, I guess. Um, as the story progresses, it gets kind of metafictional because the characters from the comics start appearing in real life. 
uh, they start to influence what's happening. It gets to the point where um, our lead character realizes that what the creators, Kane and Han, are creating is filtering through into the real world. And they have written this terrible disaster set in the future, which is the end of mankind. And he realizes the only way to save the world is to find the creators and get them to rewrite it. Um, so that's essentially the story. But along the way, um, we got to do essentially all the really fun stuff that we always liked about comics. Th this uh, image, um, I came across an old image, uh, Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four, and it had some of the weirdest sound effects I'd ever seen. Uh, and I asked Shaky if he could draw a panel that had every one of these sound effects. And so this is actually the sound effects from an old Fantastic Four film from the 60s, which include... Do you want to do the, do you want to do the sound effects? Yeah, I'm going to get my glasses. Should I do it? Yeah, I can't actually see. Yeah, so... Delicious. Delicious. You're showing your age now, Mike. Should I just like do it then? Yeah, you, you do that. You, you keep talking about it. Quit. 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 What's that? Scrap. Scrap is very good. Oh, smack. One of my favourite ones was Tom. Um, got Platoon, we've got Shush. Uh, I, I think you were saying earlier that some of these sound effects don't really what action uh, they probably didn't fit the action you, you got them from in the first place I, I kind of like I kind of like the shoosh yeah. but the, my favourite one is down in the bottom right hand corner it's a guy whose eyeballs popping out <laughs> with a spock yeah, which I think yeah. is absolutely perfect I always for remember his, uh, his work here you know this uh, sound effects imitate comics and how uh, you know unlike well, the, uh, you, you, I mean you're, 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 you've described you're deconstructing comic book storytelling, yeah. but you're, you're doing even more than that, because, like, the covers, you know, back in, when I was a kid, when you couldn't afford every comic book on the spinner rack, no, yeah. some of them, you just look at the cover and go, mm. you know, it would have ruined it if you'd read the comic. Maybe yeah, I read yeah, the comic yeah, years later yeah. or something, and you think, yeah. just the cover, what it, what it implies, what, what the, what's going on there, mm. uh, and then you're taking the sound effects, and, you know, so you're Look, and in, I'm right, you're in the gutters here. You're actually in the gutter. I knew you were. You're all over the gutters. You're, you're trashing the page. <coughs> you, you, you're trashing the, everything about comic books, yeah. which you both love, and I can tell that. It might be a, a weird, twisted love, but <clears throat> essentially you do. Yeah. And here, in, in, in Bulletproof, you, you, you're just going at it like a couple of crazy monkeys, if you ask me. Uh, and people like it, right? People bought this stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the critical reaction was um, best I've ever had uh, uh, of anything I've done, for sure. Um, and, and it, but the, the, the strange thing was, this way our relationship was starting to reflect what was going on with the characters in the comic. You know, we, um, th this, was, uh, this was us at the time producing it. Um, Image Comics actually did these portraits of their creators that they published on the backs of the comics. That's um, shaky at work. There's that Warhol thing again, shaky. You've got that Warhol thing going on. Yeah, that's a, that's a genuine Warhol wig I believe you're wearing there, isn't it? That's, uh, that's lovely. But David, that's not you, is it? Yeah, that on the right. Yeah. yeah that's me at work in my, 
Yeah. You know, it, uh, you don't, it doesn't look like you, actually. It looks like Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I think. I think, I think they just slipped in a picture of Benedict Cumberbatch and said it was you. That doesn't look like you at all, though. That's that's that, that's our fictional um, character. That's our that's our kind of Liam Kirby. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, uh, the thing was that in the comic books, we had been big in the nineteen sixties. So by now, our comic book versions are actually in their nineties. Uh, this is this is where it, it gets well again. So older, old, you know, older uh, comic book fans will remember that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee actually attended the wedding of Susan Storm and Reed Richards right, yeah. in the yeah, Fantastic Four annual. They were, annual. Turned, away at the door, they they were they? turned away at the door, but they yeah. tried to get in. Yeah. So yeah. nothing new about metal fiction in that world. No, Jolly no. Jack and yeah. Yeah. Smiling Stan, smiling Stan Lee. Were, were getting in there. Here's at, at the actual offices of um, what Wishbone Studios. Wishbone Studios, that's right. Where, um, that, that, what is Wishbone Studios? That, that, that's when he actually, um, you know, produced the comics with the letters and, and with the editors. It's fictional. Yeah, it's fictional. Oh, they're the, these are three, three real people. They're, they're real people. Yeah. Who's that in the comics? It's uh, J. G. Rochelle. Jimmy, what's his name? Jimmy Betancourt. Jimmy Betancourt and um, Richard Starkin. <laughs> Richard's name. Richard Starkin. You just drew them from photos, didn't you? No, I. I, I or well, did you actually know them? Actually, no, no, pretty much know them. <laughs> <laughs> these these people are our friends, but we we actually killed them off uh, like three pages later. So now. This is why I did a drawing to see. I'm not very big on words. <laughs> you, you know, or even bit, drawings uh, for complicated uh, stories, apparently. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, yeah. 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 So, uh, oh, yeah, I, and I just want to, you know, so this is good. In other words, we're in a good run here. You two uh, back together, it works out. Um, when you write with for Shaky or with Shaky, how different is that practically from writing with the kind of people that you've worked with at Image, Avatar, at Marvel, DC? I know they all have these different <coughs> kind of formats of how scripts are put together and you know, you can read the most basic kind of script, it's very simple, or an Alan Moore script, which is like you know, if I was an artist reading an Alan Moore script, I'd go to sleep, personally. That's just me. And so just tell me, how, how did you, or is it more just... Um, <coughs> it, it's a very two-way thing. The, the, the work that I enjoy doing is, is when I work with artists that I know. Uh, first of all, I have to respect them, but also to be able to communicate with them, which is very difficult if you're working for Marvel and DC, uh, editorial doesn't really like you to be communicating with the artists first because that is then gonna, you know, you could go off and do stuff that they really don't want you to be doing, I guess. Um, so it, it, everything's done through the intermediary of the editorial offices. Whereas we would just be meeting up, we'd uh, get drunk together, exchange ideas, 
shake it, send me some drawings, and I would change <coughs> the strip depending on the, the, the strips, depending on the illustrations. Um, our, our most experimental thing, I guess, if I, first of all, I'll just wind up what happens with um, Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, it got to the point where, uh, within the story, uh, the characters, um, what you're seeing here is um, uh, Steve Newman, who's the hero, who's trying to find the creators and save the world. And his mate, uh, Joey Spinoza, uh, has read the comic and knows what's going to happen. And at this point in the car, Joey's being shot. And, uh, and, and um, he says, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I knew this was going to happen. Such a hero, even though he knew he was going to die, he still went out there and uh, uh, did what he needed <laughs> to do. Okay, so this is the point where um, Steve Newman is holding the comic, looking at himself, holding the comic, and he realises that it's like, do I survive or not? He knows that if he turns the page, he will see if he dies or if he survives. And at that point, he throws the comic book out the window because he doesn't want to know. That's a smart move. Very smart move. Um, and from that point on, I don't want to give away the entire ending of the story, but it basically gets so metafictional that at the end, the comic literally disappears up its own arse. If I might say so, it's a beautiful piece of work. So at that point, what point <coughs> now? Bulletproof is, is, is published and it's out there until, what are we, 2010, something like that? 2011? 2011. Yeah, yeah. About, uh, because that's when I met you at that kind of five, six, six years, five years ago, I think. Yeah. Five, six and, years ago. And, yeah. you know, I had already bought the single issue, mm. and you were sitting there with a pile. You're on your own. There's nobody else. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can actually remember very clearly, because although I wasn't quite sure who you were, I, I knew that you were involved with I can't help it. I could go Sorry. anywhere. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Rock guy. Yeah. Um, um, from that, we started to do bits and pieces of work. That's right, with, 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 with your band. The, uh, the, uh, with the presence, the first of all. Yeah. Yeah. Presence to start yeah. with, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, no, don't, don't, don't flick onto that. We, 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 we can come no, to that. Oh, my God. If you don't know, sharks... Back in 1973, actually had that car. Uh, it was a Pontiac Le Mans with a, a, a fin on the roof, teeth on the grill, waves painted on the side. It was a wonderful thing. And as you can imagine, and you realize now that, you know, I was 20 uh, and I was a comic book fan, and they, they gave us that car. Unfortunately, the legendary guitar player, Chris Spedding, <coughs> Trashed it after about six weeks. He drove it into a tree. So yes, that's, that's that's our um, unreleased at the time third album. But you know what? That's not that far from the scene. Um, so that it, it just seemed like a dream come true. Um, <coughs> meeting Shaky and I was reviving a band, a cult band from the early seventies, and that's the period that made a big impact on you with your comic book reading and me too and i still think that's the greatest uh, moment for comic books uh, for everyone else 
Yeah, outside of Bulletproof Company. Definitely, yeah, yeah, often so. But I, I don't know if the, the tail end of the 60s, even the early 70s to some extent, they started to sort of lose their charm. Do you, th do you think the charm went because <coughs> at that time, really nobody was watching? As long as you got it done? I, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I think it was this sort of, um, all the things so that realistic. Jack had accused him of hiding Sarah's figures and was told a 
wish we had sales figures to hide from you. You know, they, they, they would have been the sales that they dealt with. I don't actually think they did. I mean, really, nobody seemed that, that interested in it. Anyway, okay, so let's flip back now. We've done Bulletproof first run. And what's next after that, David? <coughs> 2012, so yeah, we did um, uh, we did a follow up, uh, bulletproof coffin disinterred, uh, and there was a kind of a temptation to do a similar kind of thing, same kind of story. But uh, I really just didn't want to do the same thing again. So with disinterred, we just I just thought, sod it, let's be even more uncommercial. Uh, so every issue was a little bit different, and um, we we finally got to issue four, and I decided we should adapt. Um, William Burroughs cut-up technique, whereby you write the story more or less like a narrative, but then you cut it up into pieces and rearrange it, so you have a, a, a narrative that's completely non-linear. Which, I mean, it may be to do with picking up comics out of order when I was a kid, you know, reading Fantastic Four number eight and then Fantastic Four number six. Maybe it did something to my head. Anyway, I figured out that was a great way to tell a story. So what we did was, um, we thought we needed, I think, 84 panels, so four panels for a page. And uh, I came up with some ideas for panels. The other day, I just said, what do you want to draw? And you did things like uh, the insect in a lollipop and <coughs> yeah, eyeball yeah, in, a, yeah, yeah. in a box and all this kind of stuff. Drew 84 panels, and then we went down the pub with people like Melinda Gebby, uh, a bunch of other people. I think there's about eight of us in a pub. Very oh, sure. professionals. Uh, some fans, professionals. Yeah, so yeah, some, some fans. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, we, I, I had what I'd done is this wasn't the actual artwork, but I printed everything out and cut it up into the panels. So I just had this pile of panels, and we sat around a table and I just passed around. Everybody shuffled them, and at the end, I just had this card stuck in my pocket. Went back home, and that was the order that they were actually printed in. Um, I, think, I think that's a first, isn't it? Um, in the comic, probably in the comic world. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Uh, but it went. It, it, it was very popular. A lot of people, uh, people did cut up reviews. Um, people bought copies of the comic, cut it up, and a lot of people thought there was a perfect. You know, there was an actual order, and worked very hard at finding the narrative in it, which was great. One guy even um, created a piece of software. <coughs> That generated random images that was called endoscopies, where you can just click and click and click and it keeps on coming up with random Yeah, but that's when you know you're really onto something. When, other, when it, when it uh, develops a life of its own and other yeah. people start to add to what you're doing, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and, and then we did this thing. People thought we'd done this as a publicity stunt, but what actually happened was Shaky came around my house and we'd had a few drinks and we thought we should apply our cut-up technique to Jack Kirby. Uh, so I actually cut up a Jack Kirby comic and rearrange it. And we thought, if we're going to do this properly, it's not going to be like any other thing. I thought, what's the rarest Jack Kirby comic in the house? So it had to be that one. So we got um, Fantastic Four number two. And um, <laughs> worth approximately? Oh, it depends on... Oh, in this condition, it wasn't in great condition, okay. so probably yeah. about 500 quid. Still, 
It's a solid gesture. So we just, um, and it, it, honestly, this wasn't supposed to be a publicity stunt. We just did it, <laughs> stuck the photos on my blog, and the next thing we know, it's picked up by Beaming Pool. And um, yeah, for, for a few days, it, it got quite exciting. People were really ranting at us because we yeah. mutilated Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It's not actually hard to upset people anymore, is it? it is. I mean, honestly, years ago you used to have to work to upset people. Now, just almost anything, and then there'll be two hundred thousand people complaining and blaming you for something. We live in a society that's like a Chinese commune out of the 1960s, where people are just dragged out and accused yeah, of things, yeah, and everybody yeah. agrees that they did it. And I'm not talking about that girl, Kate, on Bleeding Pool. I'm not mentioning her, the one that says that anybody that was accused of anything is, you know, actually did it. I'm, I'm not going to mention her name because that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But we, we do seem to live in that world, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that this. Which is really an insignificant gesture. Yeah, so what? It's, it's an old, old, old we did was cut the comic. You chopped up an old comic for fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some, some people were quite on board with it though as well. You know, it's that idea of uh, the act of destruction is also an act of creation, and you know. Um, so I'm honest, uh, apparently. <laughs> okay. It's really opened something up for me. I, I, yeah, I think I might be on something. Yeah, I think that's a winner. Oh, I love uh, this thing. The thousand finally, yards. Finally, uh, this, do you want to talk about the thousand yard stare? Yes, <laughs> the uh, thousand yard stare. This was um, a, a sort of a, a one-shot spin-off to the um, to the series, more relating back to the original series rather than disinterred or political copy. This is where. Um, that's you, right? That's you. That, that, that is me. Oh, the man oh, with oh, the oh, gun not, is not, not is me. You. me. It's no, but it's you, the comic yeah, book yeah, older guy that it's, it's the draws. The guy, the comic book guy with the shaky oh, cane. Okay. The, 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 the misspelled. It's you. <coughs> name. But um, th th this is where um, Shaky Cane decides to go it alone and publishes his own comic book. And it's, without it's, me. Without Dave writing it. And, uh, you know, to try it. It sort of all turns into a bit of a disaster, doesn't it? There's not much of a head around happen. A bloodbath, literally. Where the idea came from? Because we oh, did the, the idea came from, from a show we did in Exeter University. <coughs> in Exeter uh, University, it's a, it, 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 it's sort of, it, you know, it, 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 it's uh, quite a fairly big uh, university. You know, you, you'd imagine it'd be a sort of diverse bunch of people turning up in the evening, but um, not one person came to our table, you, you know, there was just no no interest whatsoever, you know, and we sat there, and th this sort of, uh, you know, gave us an idea for the, um, you know, for this book, you know, the, the idea of being sort of sat behind the table at the comic shop, and, you know, being ignored. Well, that, I mean, but that can still happen, that, I mean, you can have all of this wonderful <coughs> reviewed in Rolling Stone magazine, all this, but when you get down to the kind of actual comic book crowd, you know, yeah. what have you done lately for Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah, or, or, or what, even, what even beyond that, that there's, there's sort of like a world of comics, isn't there, that's nothing to do with comic books, it's sort of the world of comics. About I've always, from the outside, that's yeah. how it's always looked yeah, to me, yeah. and, 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 and 
reading Vicky's work over the years seem to reflect all the things. Um, you know, I mean, like Neil, Neil Gaiman is a very decent comic book writer. Yeah. His, yeah. his, his stuff, I would imagine, gets the girls. Because it's kind of, mm. yeah, and <coughs> I would imagine your stuff sensitive. That's that's the word I was struggling for. He can write, but but in other words, it's it's geared yeah. that way. Um, you do. You're not going to get the girls with this. Show, <coughs> I can yeah, tell you. Yeah. We don't get the girls with sharks. We just get you know, men in their fifties and and their children mm. is what we get. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah. Um, which is back to what I said earlier. You're about ruining all my illusions, mate. <laughs> no, no. This is oh, this is vital. This is my. <laughs> I think. Uh, you know, I. In our pre-warm-up chat, which they'll probably cut out, we were talking about John John Carpenter mm. and being a man's man yeah, and, yeah. and basing his movies on westerns, <coughs> John Ford, and you know I I read it, but I noticed it. There's Jim Thompson in your work. You know, mm. I'm afraid, guys, so the, and I, I include myself in this. We are doing men's stuff. This is like men's magazine. This is like stag. This is like my my girlfriend was kidnapped by Nazis and tortured. That's the, I'm afraid is the in terms of that's no reflection on everybody here, by the way, because I'm not pointing any fingers. This is a fairly diverse crowd, actually. But are we? We are violently, I think, honestly. Against the grain. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Um, David, David, you're looking surprised about this. Do you see your work in another way? Do you think you're touching them? You know, uh, are you getting I'm the not sure whether I perceive myself as a man's man. No, uh, <laughs> funny enough, funny enough. I, I don't see myself that way, and 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 Shady doesn't. But but it, you see what I mean. The real, the reality of it is, that's where we're at. Um, it's certainly. I, we're not I getting the sensitive crowd. The sensitive crowd aren't buying into what we're doing, you know. And you've got to be honest. And even if you're selling and get a core audience, it, it's 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 a man's thing. Yeah, I think the 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 of all the work I've done, I think the the work that's had the most uh, mixed um, audience, in other words, the, the most women have come up to me at conventions said they really liked it, was Crossed. Crossed? Mm-hmm. Crossed is an interesting comic book. I have to say, we haven't, yeah, we uh, haven't uh, chatted uh, about that. How many issues of Crossed did you do? Uh, three series of five, 15 issues. I actually like uh, Crossed a lot. Yeah, I think it's something. I mean, it really shouldn't work, cross, because it's just like a normal thing, like Holocaust, and then people have gone bad, etc. Except, what, it's, is it, what is it for you that makes it? It's, it it, it's genuinely transgressive. I think. Yes, it is. Um, you are actually uh, showing the things that you're never supposed to show. So, the absolute horror, but. Um, Gareth Ennis created that book, and, and what he said was, it, you push it as far as you can, write the most disgusting, horrible, inhuman, uh, sadistic oh, thing you can imagine, 
this gets the girls. Well, his point was no matter, and someone somewhere has actually done that. So it's not, you know, you cannot go beyond what human beings are capable of. Uh, and the point of cost is getting, and, and here's where it does get sensitive, actually writing human stories within that context. And so the people, even works. in this old story, they still have yeah, to live, die, yeah. fall in love, you, you still, exactly, yeah. Yeah. in family. Yes. Okay. Well, I think well, that's about, we're coming up to a wrap, I think that's about it. Um, unless anybody's got any really blinding <coughs> questions, or we'll just, yeah. mm. do you want a, a break and then Q&A? Yeah, we can just do it. Okay. But I think let's have a round of applause because these guys have worked hard. <laughs> let's have a drink and we'll be back.
that's more of a bar of where we've had obviously four of them. Ladies and gentlemen, have you, are we beveraged? Fantastic. So, The, uh, the the sea of sea of hands. I'm so tired of being lost. I'm so sorry, I'm just doing my Algerian impression. Are there any questions out in the audience for the panel? I have a question. Uh, yeah. Yeah, about this. Um, I would like to ask about the th thousand yard stare, which uh, features Shaky Kane writing a solo comic. And this is, of course, written by David Hines. So I want to know how, for you, David, it is to imagine to be shaky and then 
Are you shaky how it is to imagine to be his version of you? Ooh, that's a very good question, isn't it? That's a, that, that's a sexy, isn't it? Very good question. Uh, I, I, I think Dave will sum it up like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think what I tried to do is that there have been a few moments we ha we have had our moments of slight disagreement. So what I try to do, as I do with all my work, I just take those moments and wrap them up to oh, I see. like the, the, the like eleven. So. Um, for instance, when Shaky was working with other writers, other which writers. he did do, oh, yeah. Keck yeah. W. Keck w. David Quantic. David Quantic, yeah. We, we, we yes. didn't mention David Quantic. We did. We did. Um, David Quantic. Um, um, Robot. Yes, there were, there were those moments where I was thinking. Fantastic <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he won an Emmy and everything. Yeah, Michael Quantic is like an Emmy award winning. Uh, writer, and he, you know, <laughs> it's, did it hurt? Mm. No. <laughs> no. Um, I could imagine myself being resentful. Let's let's put it that way. So I took I, I, I took that you're a writer. Imagining, <laughs> I took that imagined resentment, which never existed. No. No. <laughs> uh, <coughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, was, was there ever a moment when you? When you looked at my scripts and thought this is a load of pretentious bollocks. <laughs> no. Uh, no, no. Um, you you caused no. trouble with this question. You realise how pretentious you're assuming that you actually read things. <laughs> I, 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 I sort of go through it, you know, like panel by panel. Do you want to draw the. Oh, actually, I, no, actually, I don't. There, there is a point origin for this um, because there was a point where, where uh, when we were doing the disinterred series, Shaky came up with uh, an idea for a, for a story, which was where these uh, uh, communists are on the moon and they steal all of the famous buildings from the USA, like Empire State Building, turn them into robots, which they're then going to use to attack planet Earth. See, I'm, I'm a bit of an idealist now. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, okay, send me an outline of the story and I'll see what I can do with it. And Mike basically drew the entire 22-page story and sent it to me. <laughs> Isn't this how Stanley and Jack Kirby used to work, basically? Yeah, that, that's exactly what we do. Stan um, just I, does a few word balloons. I, I, I couldn't work with it, could I? Couldn't, couldn't work with it. And, and I think that was where we had our... You initially very happy when <laughs> <laughs> You know, but um, I, I, I thought that was the idea of the, um, the sort of experiment. I think that was the point at which there was probably the greatest moment of friction. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I've got to tell you, I mean, I, you know, I've kind of worked in the double act over the years. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and yeah. 99.9% yeah. .9 of the time, we agree on everything. Mm. We just go, yes. Mm. But when there is a thing that we disagree on, it's usually something like an album title or something almost inconsequential. It does feel big. 
And yeah, perhaps uh, because, it, because normally, you know, when it's a, a give and take and it's all wonderful, <laughs> you get a little uh, irritant in there. It's, it's bigger. Yeah, and, and the uh, fact that Dave, Dave, of course, is an artist as well, makes it slightly different, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, but you're not alone in that quite a lot. But you are also a writer. It's a after passion. Yeah. Um, I, I would actually like to see. I think the the, the thing is, um, over the years, you've done an awful lot of work. I mean, you used to write all the the words for all, all your strips that you're doing. Yeah, but they're yeah, always yeah. one, two, three, four pages at the most. And don't right, you've ever yeah, actually no, written no, an extended no. uh, narrative? I think no, that. No, no, no. And I've got to tell you, I can tell the difference. I mean, you know, I like what you do, but I think the two together, it's what the third mind is. But I did like the idea of Shaky going like, I don't need this bastard, I can do this. And I mean, we literally, we came up with the entire script of 22 pages in um, what a couple of just sitting at that convention, I literally got out a notebook and, yeah, that, and that scribbled it all exactly down, and, and, exactly and that was it. It was, and it worked. I remember at one stage we sat there, and uh, this family. This is in the West Country, and uh, a family walked in, and uh, this guy had like a suit or a waistcoat, and then he threw himself on the floor and started break dancing. And then no, I had no idea why we were. He was like in a surreal, wasn't he? <laughs> cool, meaningless but cool. A any other questions? Any anything else people want to know deeply? Is uh, the use of insects uh, symbolic? <laughs> insects. <laughs> what, no, why, why are you always doing insects? insects? Who, who told you about the insects? <laughs> But they will win in the end, right? That's what you believe, I believe. I, I, I've, I've got, a, got a sort of theory that, that um, if you imagine uh, scale as like a tangible thing, um, then uh, I, it's hard to explain, but the, the actual insect world itself, which is nightmarish, as by, by any, you know, it, it's completely a um, nightmarish world, isn't it? Even as you sleep, like these bloodless creatures feasting on flesh in your um, mattress, and there's apparently ones in the corner of your eyes. But it's, it's a matter of scale alone that holds back that horror. And if, if you imagine, imagine if it just were to slip, just by increment each day. You know, after these sort of things I think about. I think this is I think <laughs> just a nice door there. And I think this is a good, uh, I think we should proceed with it. I think this is a good possible future script for you. Yeah, Let's get down to that yeah. microscopic world where they're doing that stuff. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I have yeah. to agree. I think a lot about I, insects. I always think about the, uh, the incredible shrinking man. And at which stage would he get so small that he couldn't, his lungs couldn't process the oxygen because they, they became molecules. Oh. It'd be yeah, very quickly. That point, he just goes into a little and, and, molecule and, and, world, yeah, doesn't he? And, he slips between yeah, the floor he's, walls. He's yeah. And, and things yeah. like um, bacteria start to turn into acid in the skin. You may be overthinking this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I, I, 
I, I have a lot of insect pictures and a lot of yeah, insect yeah. images at home, and I, I'm of the belief, I, I dream about insects when I think they're coming. Yeah, well, when, when I, I see they're kid, coming, uh, I'm strong. When, when I was a kid, when I really I, do. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I, I, I used to hate the French teacher, uh, Mr. Moore, and uh, the night before, I used to try to stay up, not go to sleep, because I didn't want to go to the lesson, because he used to pick on me. And I remember I sat up and down, I used to think I had uh, insects in my mouth, and I used to try to scratch them with my tongue to my fingernails. David, I don't think you should ignore this. I think this is fertile territory. I think really, you know, I know you did already the cowboys and insects, which I like very much, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's taken it in a different direction. I think I might have stolen that from you. Because that was the orbital, unless you popped it in my bag because I gave you the shots. Oh, sorry, I thought you were doing exclusively songs about insects from now on. No, but... When I got home from the album yeah, launch, I had a copy of this oh, in my bag, along with all the merch. That's £4.50. Is it? That's £4.50. I'm still arguing about the 24 for the deadline. I argue about money all the time. I see, yeah. I try a deal everywhere that I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, anybody? Yes. Another question, please. I'm sorry, so I might have missed this question. Tell, tell us about the toilet. <laughs> well, apart from the toilet, forget that. Um, do you have any projects together in the pipeline? Ah, the pipeline, did you, did you see what he did there? <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, we, we've done this one shot for Image, uh, which means that basically it came out, it was in the shops for a couple of months, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, and the way, what you really want is to get a trade paperback out there which is what we've got. We've, well, we've got so that's long term. Yeah, like five, 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 five one shots. So yeah, yeah, we need, we need four or five more. Like, um, it's not like flat stand we buy yeah. that. But what about, what about Fantagraphics? Are you doing something with Fantagraphics? There's something I've been asked to do, but I haven't got the script through yet. You haven't got the script, but no, you're, you're, no, you're no, going to no. be part of their new comic book line. That's yeah. right, the uh, all-time comics, uh, Josh Bayer's um, Oh, yeah, with the beef. It's That's beef. what you're doing, right? Oh, the, the beef, yeah, of course. The, the beef's coming out in um, oh, January, I think. Yeah. yeah. You're not involved in it. Well, so but Stone. isn't there an also, didn't I see something on Bleeding Cool Ways, like a can of beef? Yeah, yeah. That, 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 you you made this cover. into a can no, of beef. No, no, no. The, uh, that was the, they did um, that. The magic of Photoshop. But not you. Know, you. Yeah, the, the, this was the original cover, and yep. they decided to take that. Make it like a can of sort of. Which I thought looked cool. Completely. It does look really good. good. The next like one's nice going to be a nice uh, image. The next one's going to be a sort of cheesy calendar, and, and the one after that's going to be um, a sort of milk carton with the, with the lost kids inside. I have a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise. Um, do you remember the red ghost and the three monkeys that we have on the moon? That's like Who told you about the Red Ghost? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I do. He had like long hair. He had long hair, like, like a kind of right. rockwing type. Yeah, character. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and three, yeah. three monkeys or apes. Yeah, that's right. The apes. Yeah, do you remember they, that? They lived on the, the moon. FF comic. It's like in the crater there. Somehow you could breathe. That's I can't quite remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. Had an air bubble yeah, in it. It's a curvy thing. Yeah, fantastic. And I don't think that's ever been 
you know, fully absorbed into Marvel continuity, <laughs> whatever it is, you know. The, the, the Red Ghost, because he was a communist. Yeah, but he was a communist. Many of those villains were communists. Okay, well, I mean, why, why, why do you know the film? That's I that, that's, <laughs> it's, it's why the moon? Why the moon? You just imagine that Stan is, you know, wants to get out of there quick. And so he just throws that at Kirby, which is like, look, look, there's a communist. He's on the moon. And, and he's, got, he's got like three aides. And, and um, Johnny Storm's upset with his girlfriend. Uh, that's it. I'm out of here. What, wasn't there a guy called the Ape Master? It was similar. Does that sound familiar to you, the Ape Master? Oh, yeah. I could talk about apes in comics. <laughs> or just... Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, wait, there's a thing about apes. I don't know if you know this. Back in the 1960s... DC Comics used to run a lot of comics that had purple apes on the cover. That's right. And they did this survey, and they found that every time they had a purple ape on the cover, sales spiked. Yep. It's true. It's true. Well, so we, we actually did that with Disinterred. We stuck out, well, it wasn't really an ape. It was more of a chin. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Chin. 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 There was no spike. There was no spike. But because it wasn't an ape. I am of the opinion about apes that there's very few uh, entertainment things that wouldn't benefit from an ape. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, you could be right. Game of Thrones, it's good, but throw an ape in there, now you, you're cooking. Gorilla Grodd, and I mean, I, yeah. Uh, apes so and insects. Apes and insects. Go on. I see your, your ideas, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a except, great idea. except I can't draw. Hey, uh, imagine that, you know I'm a celebrity and an ape right here next to Sam. It would improve it. I, I mean seriously, I'd like, I'd like that a lot. <laughs> it's a nice way to think about popular entertainment. Mm -hmm. If I watch popular entertainment and I'm bored, which happens quite a lot, <laughs> I think to myself, what would happen if they brought an ape in there? It's going to have a sort of Facebook <laughs> things, isn't it? Why is that funny? I'm serious. No, this is how the, the prisoner ends like this. Uh, the prisoner. The prisoner. The TV show. Does that end with an A? Yeah. That's it. What is that? The Jack Kirby version <laughs> or the actual <laughs> TV version? <laughs> the actual, someone out there must have seen the past. Yeah, that's what I think. The Well, the, and the guy, the guy who played um, Crash Corrigan in the old Underwater City uh, <coughs> Republic serials, kind of a Buster right. Crab type, yeah. he was a, a stuntman, but also he was the ape specialist. So if Tarzan had to fight an ape, he or anybody fought an ape, up, or Bela Lugosi had an ape, um, it would be Crash Corrigan that did it. What, dressed up in a suit? Yeah, yeah, a suit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, any other ape-related questions from the audience tonight? Or are we there? Are we, are we all wrapped up and done? Listen, Maybe one more question. One more question. Go on. So, talk about Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The other, I guess, the triumvirate figure is Ditko. Mm. Steve Ditko. We haven't mentioned Ditko. We haven't mentioned Ditko. We should. Mr. Strange himself. In a way, uh, the magazine Right Dead, Right Magazine, to try to ape what... To try to ape what Ditko did. 
would make more sense because it was, you know, because he represented the outsider rather than Kirk, who so, so, so in a way, um, you know, I sort of missed there, didn't I? But, you know, you, well, you, you, you just I, I, see, I can see Bitcoin your way. I really? Mean, I can see, yeah, yeah, from time to time. Sure. Yeah. In fact, your stuff's a fix of yeah, I think Dick Dicko was almost more the guy than Jack Kirby for me because Jack was always about gods and heroes, and Dicko was always about those sleazy criminal psycho weirdos. Kills his own girlfriend at one point, didn't he? Uh, yeah, snaps Gwen. Snaps her neck oh. by accident. Trying to save her, but. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> so you, you can see how, how I would go for that kind of thing. It, it, it kind of. Well, with what you said earlier like about those. Ideas. What was the, 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 the guy that he was dossing in the place and they boarded it up and he couldn't. Yeah, he just couldn't be asked to leave. Couldn't be asked to leave. I like that. That's that's very very strong. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for mentioning Steve Dicko. And I was a bit actually disappointed. He's still alive. <laughs> yeah, he's still working. He is. Um, like, uh, he, he must be ninety. Well, he was always a bit off the road, I guess. Yeah. I was a bit disappointed with the um, your lookalike <coughs> Benedict Cumberbatch's movement because <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Said it looks like Dicko. I didn't think so. No. I, I thought it looked like, it looked like, Frank like, it looked like Inception, didn't it? Really? It looked like Frank Brunner's yeah, one. Yeah, it looked like from state, the of the state of the arts. It did not have that arts. peculiar sidereal quality. Yeah. It's a pity they didn't get Brendan McCarthy to do the storyboards, yeah. actually, because yeah. Brendan always talked about Because he did do that for a while, didn't he? He was, he was the top man doing in yeah, the well, early yeah. days of comic book movies. Brendan storyboarded the last Mad Max movie. There you go. So Which is a, that is a wonderful, wonderful movie. I must say. Yeah, and a very yeah. comic book movie, in my opinion. Yeah. More so than some of the comic book movies that I see. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's round up here. Because, you know, movies are what comics have become. Yeah. For good yeah. or ill, you know, we're just, we're just working the yeah. marginalia. Yeah. You know, Really, millions of people see these movies, and in a way, it's wonderful because yeah. there's the Hulk, and he's you know, he looks like doesn't look like the guy. If, if, if you're doing sketches at a comic show, people expect it to look like the uh, movie stars now, don't well, they? That's it. Well, you know, that's it. I mean, that is the, the, the big thing. And first of all, how do you feel about that? I've got no interest in any of them. I've, I, 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 I saw the first Captain America movie. I just don't go. My, my son goes, and, uh, and Jane takes him, so I just, just don't want to know. I mean, How about you, Davis? Interesting. What do you think I, about I, I, I hate, hate the way they redesign the costumes like they know better than, than Jack. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But there's also, there's that, but there's also wearability, you know. I mean, <coughs> some of Jack's costumes would only look good from the front. Maybe it's the soft, wouldn't they, you know? What do you, what do you think about comic book movies, then? I, I fall asleep, honestly. There, there's too much... I, I think it's the same... It's, like I say, I lost interest in superhero comics at a certain age. Um, and I think the I have to say, the movies make... They, they're doing the comics the way they should be done. Yes, they do look like they 1960s do. with the action. and the, It's all there. But um, I'm not interested in that much action. I'm afraid when... When I've been watching that kind of full-on intense action for an hour and a half, I do drop off. The eyes tired. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't Too much eyeball action new one, and you know, all of that. Oh, I, I never liked teamwork books particularly anyway. No, I was always yeah, yeah, the yeah, solo yeah, books yeah, for me. I never liked them. Every page is comics. So, um, but if <laughs> that's, that's just moved, I mean, <laughs> if if Sorry. somebody just did actually wave, you know, a big hunk of money your way yeah. and said, you know what? Bulletproof coffin. Well, I, it's go, baby. I, I what? <laughs> would you be Alan Moore about it or would you be Dave Gibbons? Well, we'd take Dave, the money and run Dave Dave say, Gibbons plus. We'd be definitely. I mean, I, 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 I've got to say, I've always sided with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why Alan Moore does that because, like, just take the money and give it something really good. I mean, yeah. it's just, just yeah. this thing yeah. of like, oh, they burnt me years ago. Mm. Hey, join the club, Alan. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely wouldn't be precious about it. It'd be such a... Anybody that's I, worked for a I, big I, company I, has yeah, been burnt yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. You know, why Alan still, you know... Yeah, I, I just don't understand. It'd be so incredible, wouldn't it? I mean, to imagine... Well, the money he could have made, he yeah. could have given to, like, 50 communes or something that he finds of interest you know, putting together a huge magical centre in London yeah, that dwarfs yeah, anything yeah. that anybody ever thought of. Yeah. So it seems curmudgeonly to me. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you know, I suppose. I mean, even Robert Crumb took the money from Fritz and Cat. Yeah, yeah. If it's good enough for Robert Crumb, my opinion. So, have you had say, an offer on? Uh, on I, I, I'm working on the screenplay for Bulletproof Coffee right now, actually. Serious? Yes. Yeah. And you know, whether it'll ever get made. No, I know. Whole but other are, are people actually paying you a small like amount of money? Get paid. Getting money only. Uh, the money only comes through when you actually start yeah. movies yeah. go into production. Yeah, no, I, I, do, I have. I do know a little about this. So yeah. um, well, uh, listen, I. I I look forward to that day. Because even if they ruined so it, you know? even if they just ruined yeah, it with really yeah. bad casting and everything, is still there. The comic is still there. That's my point. Yeah, yeah, and that's what happens. That's the knock on effect. You know, that's so right. Cool. It doesn't matter. Any adaptation of a book it can be lousy. Yeah. The books are still there. I mean, I live to wait and see for a Lovecraft adaptation yeah. that's anywhere near. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried it myself and failed. Be so, so cool, wouldn't it? it you know, well, but, but, but the books are still there. Anybody wants yeah. to get that Lovecraft thrill, just pick up the Dunwich Horror tomorrow and away you go. Well, if, if it did happen, I, I, what I really want to, I want to get those shoes that um, they've got like sensors in the bottom and 
what, what, when, when you walk along, it sort of make like special effect noises. And uh, also, I want to get um, that, like so, so you can get like these hair weaves that they look really, really real, like Gary Newman's girl. And, um, yeah. And I, 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 Adamant, actually. Adamant. Adamant. I, 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 I want to get like a, you know, do you remember John's, Johnson's, you, you know, Johnson's the rock and roll shop? I well, do, on, on I, the King's Road. Yeah, of course. What I want to get is like a silver yeah. sort of suit, you know, with, um, I got married in a Johnson's jacket. Did you? Yeah. 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 I, I, angel wings on the back, you know. Yeah. That, that, that's what I want to do. So that's what <laughs> you want to get out of the movies. Yeah. All of that. And have, 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 have like sort of extensive completely reshape yourself. Facial surgery. So yeah. you look like Mickey Rourke. Well, sort of, you know, yeah. <laughs> As was. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's what I, I, I hope. That, those, are my, that's what you that, that, those are my hopes for the future. Well, God bless us. And we have to wrap because I've got to get a train back to Lewis, which means oh, I've got to get back to. Went to Lewis. Lewis. Oh, Lewis. I live in Lewis. You know Lewis? Lewis. Lewis. I don't know Lewis. Yeah, I came all that way today to do this. Is, 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 is oh, that what, where uh, Lewis Leathers come from? Where Lewis what? Leathers. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> but now that you've mentioned it, I think I'll open a shop in Lewis called Lewis Leathers. So interestingly <laughs> enough, I know a guy named Lewis who confronted. So it could be Lewis of Lewis Leathers. And you, could, you could sew really shoddy leathers and people think they were. Oh, you Lewis wouldn't matter leathers. as long as you've got that name. <laughs> That's right. Listen, guys, thank you so much. Real thank pleasure. I thank you. Trebuchet thanks you. And um, we'll do this again in 10 years. Do you long for a cocktail and it you? Trebuchet Magazine. Does the banal confines of your office enslavement fill you with caffeinated ennui? Do you desire the soothing effects of creative Shangri-La? Have you yet to see your enemies sufficiently driven before you? Switch gears with Trebuchet Magazine. Whether online or in print, the heady brew is always spicy and through art and insight, we cock a snook at the monotone, polyunsaturated complex of non-Hawaiian shirt wearers, wowzers, stuck-up persons, a generation of exes, tired eyes, and tax collectors. Set out the beach chair of inspiration, feel the sand of imagination, caress your toes, and sip the deep liquor of wonder. It's Trebuchet time. www.trebuchetmagazine.com That's T-R-E-B-U-C-H-E-T dash magazine.com It really ties the room together. <laughs>